scripture reading this morning will be taken from Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bibles, it'll be on page 916, 916. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my, for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and, is in, and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Uh, usually I like to just start into the lesson, but I could not help but just take a moment and thank each and every one of you for the summer. Um, I know I speak for all the interns when I say we are so grateful for the Mount Juliet congregation. Uh, we are so glad that we have been able to spend this summer with you and with your kids and to see their hearts um, and seeing them as they follow Jesus, as, as they try to do their very best in this life. I also want to acknowledge my family who's here. They came down from Ohio and at the second service I'll have some more family, some from Knoxville and um, my aunt and uncle from Ohio too. And so I'm really glad that they could be here and, and worship with us this morning. One of the blessings about coming and interning with Mount Juliet is just the, the encouraging Sundays of coming together and seeing so many people at once praise God. We have so many faithful followers of Jesus in one congregation. It's just, it's a feeling that you can't really describe. And I've been part of a, a lot of different congregations. I, I grew up in a congregation of about 100. I've worked with congregations that about 50, um, 60 members. And so I've seen, the, I've seen the big churches, I've seen the small churches. And when you have the big numbers, it's so encouraging and it's been a blessing. And it's, it's a blessing from God that God has sent where you have so many open hearts that have heard the word of God. But there's, if there's one thing I've learned about numbers and, and how God views numbers, and I think you would agree with me on this, is numbers aren't everything. Numbers are encouraging. They're, they're a blessing from God. But in the end, numbers aren't everything. God doesn't look at it like that. And let me give you a story to kind of get the point across what I'm trying to get what I'm trying to say here. I was working with a small church uh, at one point, and a man came up to me and he said, Noah, and he was a businessman. He said, Noah, if you really think about it, our congregation, if you look at it at, as if it was a business, you know, really, we're a failing business. And I kind of thought about that. He said, and we don't have very many, we don't have numbers here. We're not growing all the time. And so if you really look at it like that, we, we're a failing business. And I thought about that a lot. And I went home, I went back to Freed, and I thought about that. I was like, are we a failing business? But then I asked the question, when did church become a business? Did Jesus look at the church like a business? Was he, did he determine the success of the church by how many numbers grew or was he more focused on faithfulness? If you would look with me at John chapter six. John chapter six. He 
here, starting in verse 2, you see that Jesus had this large crowd. It said in verse 2, it says, And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And we find out in verse 10 that there was 5,000 gathered in number. And that this is the story of the 5,000 where Jesus took the, the, the bread and the fish and he fed 5,000 people. And, and we look at that story and we think, man, Jesus was a popular person. He had a very successful following. He had 5,000 people. Man, if you look from a business standpoint, man, he was successful. But then look at the end of the chapter. Later, after they had eaten, Jesus gathers with them. And then in verse, starting in verse 51, he begins to tell them some things. He, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And his, the Jews and the disciples, the people who were, who were following Jesus at that time, they began to say, what does he mean, eat his flesh? Is he, is he telling us to eat his flesh? And, and they're very confused. In verse 57, Jesus continues. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And you can just imagine... Um, these people, they started following Jesus thinking, man, he's giving us food. He's giving us hope. Um, they were under persecution of the Romans at the time. And, and they're thinking, okay, this, this man's going to come and, and liberate us from that. And this is, this is awesome. And he had this successful following. But now he gives them this, this teaching. And they're just kind of left thinking in verse 60. It says, when many of the disciples heard it, heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to this? I can think about that. And we think... You know, there's some hard teachings in the Bible. Um, there's some hard things to accept. How can we accept those things? And, and we know what they're saying there is, okay, yeah, this, is, this isn't easy. This is something hard. And you have to think about the 12 apostles when they're there with Jesus. And they're probably thinking, Jesus, you're going you're gonna to run away the crowds. We've been successful so far. Why are you trying to run them away? And what we find out is that's exactly what happened. Verse 66 it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and, and they no longer walked with him. And you got to think, why, why did Jesus do that? Why did he purposely, if he's all-knowing and, and he's God, why did he purposely run this crowd away if he knew, okay, if I say this, they're going to leave. If I say this, I'm going to lose the big numbers that I had. Why did he do that? If you would turn over to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Here you have a similar situation. In verse 25 of Luke chapter 14, it says, Now great crowds accompanied him, or came, were with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Then verse 33, so therefore any one of you who does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. The fact is, Jesus isn't interested in the necessarily, well, his first priority is not the numbers. Man, it's a blessing, like we said right here, when we have so many faithful followers of Jesus. But the success of a church does not come back, okay, 
how many attend here, but the success of the congregation is, okay, how many are faithfully following Jesus? Is are we truly following Jesus? Are we truly taking up our cross daily and following him? And so Jesus introduces this to the crowds, not to run them away, but to get across this point. He's saying, if you're going to follow me, I want you to be for real. If you're going to follow me, I don't want you to be mediocre. I don't want you to put me um, on the back burner. If you're going to follow me, you're going to give me all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your soul. If you're going to follow me, you're going to do it with all of your heart. And that's what Jesus is getting across there. And so this morning, that's what I want us to talk about. In John chapter 6, verse 54, it said Jesus is going to call those on the day when he returns. He's going to come back and get those who are for real. He's going to come back and get those who ate his flesh and drank his blood. Those who truly endured, those who truly followed him. Another word for a follower of Jesus is a disciple. Someone who, who as we're going to see, gives up all and follows after Jesus. So this morning, as we kind of look through this lesson, look at yourself and ask, okay, am I truly a disciple? Am I truly following Jesus with all of my heart, with all of my mind, and all of my soul? So number one, I want to talk about the heart of a disciple. The heart of a disciple. Look over at Luke chapter 9. I love to share this verse and to talk about this passage here. Luke chapter 9 verse 57. Here it says, as they were going along the road, someone said to, to him, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. You ever feel that way sometimes? You just come to church, you, you're opening the Bible, you're on a spiritual high in your life, and, and you think, man, Jesus, I want to follow you wherever you go. I want, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, I'm going to follow you wherever that takes me. And then Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell, farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And I think a lot of people, we come with honest hearts, um, we come with honest intentions, and we say, Jesus, I do want to follow you wherever you go. I want to, to go wherever that leads me. But then certain things come up in life, and I do want to follow Jesus, but I, I just don't have time right now. I've got a, a busy family right now. We just don't have time to, to be with the church. We don't have time to, to come and attend. We don't have time to come and devote to you. Or maybe you're someone who... You want to follow Jesus, but you just, you can't sacrifice your income enough to, to give to the Lord, to sacrifice back, back to him. Or maybe you're someone who you realize how much struggles you have and uh, maybe you're um, engulfed in addictions. Maybe there's, there's so many troubles that you know you have and you think, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I just can't give up these struggles I'm in. Or maybe you're someone and you just don't feel like you're good enough to follow Jesus. I don't know where you're at. But maybe, just maybe, you're someone who you say, I want to follow Jesus wherever, wherever that leads me, wherever he, he leads me, but I just don't know where to start. And if that's the case, that's a good place to be. And we're glad you're here this morning so we can talk about that. 
The heart of a disciple is saying with all of your heart, I want to follow Jesus wherever that takes me. We don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know where we're going to be sometimes. We don't know where that's going to lead us, who that's going to lead us to. But the heart of a disciple says, I want to follow Jesus wherever that takes me. And what that's going to do is that's going to lead us into living a new life. And so the next point is we need to talk about the life of a disciple. I think a lot of times when people think of Christianity, sometimes we don't think of it as hard. Um, A lot of times when growing up, I I never really thought of Christianity as being something that that was hard. Uh, I thought, okay, it's fairly easy. Just don't do this. Don't do that. Um, Go tell people about Jesus sometimes, but it just didn't seem all the time like it was so hard. And I think we read certain passages like 1 John 5 verse 3, where it says his commandments are not burdensome. And we read passages like Matthew 11, 35, or 11, 28 through 30, excuse me, where where Jesus says, come to me and you'll find rest. And we think that's a life of, of ease. That's a life of... That's a life where we really don't have to put in that much work. It, it, it seems so easy. Just, you know, don't cuss, don't drink, don't do this, don't do that. You know, I can do that. That seems pretty easy. And a lot of times the way we look at Christianity, some people, they come to Christ and come to Christianity and we think, okay, if I become a Christian, all my troubles are going to go away. Everything that was wrong in my life will be fixed. Uh, God's going to set this, this shield or this hedge around me and he'll protect me from everything, all the suffering and, and everything. That's not the picture we have of Christianity in the Bible. In fact, Jesus, from the very beginning of his preaching, said, listen, if you're going to follow me, it's not going to be easy. In Matthew 7, 13 through 14, he says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard. Or New King James says the way is difficult. And there are few who find it. And so that's what we need to be thinking about is, okay, when I put on Christ in baptism, when I become a child of God, the road's not going to be easy. Jesus talks about this narrow road, this road where it's going to be hard sometimes. And what makes it hard, look back over at Luke chapter 14 with me. One of the things that makes it hard is what we have to give up. What we have to give to God and to give up. Luke 14, verse 33, it says, So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And we think, okay, if I'm going to be a child of God, and Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to give up some things. In fact, you're going to have to give up everything that comes between me and you. So what are some things that we have to give up? Number one, we've got we've to give up our struggle of sin. Uh, it's going to be different for every, every person in this room. We've got to lay hateful attitudes on the, on the table, hateful hearts, um, envy that we have towards other people. We've got to lay everything. We've got to lay down just uh, you know, drinking, alcohol, all those things, lay it down. Addictions that we have, those who struggle with pornography, all those things. If you're going to follow Jesus... You can't have one door in the world and the other in Christ. We've got to give Jesus everything. And not to say that it's a, it's a quick recovery, like, oh, 
it's done right there. When we become a Christian, oh, we're never going to struggle with sin anymore. But the point is, when we read in God's word, okay, hey, this doesn't match up with my life. When I see God's word and there's something in there that doesn't match up with my life, if I'm going to be a faithful follower, a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to think, okay, how do I overcome this? How do I get over this sin? Because I want to follow Jesus. I want to give him everything. Another thing we've got to give up when we become a child of God, yeah, we've got to give up sin, and we know that, but we've also got to give up the influences that are leading us to sin. Whether that be friends, friends who, who lead us away from Christ, who clearly are a bad influence on us, or whether that's relationships that are a bad influence on us. Marriages, um, if you know you're not in a right marriage, you need to get out of that marriage if that's not scriptural in God's eyes, because he said, I want you to give me everything. I need to do whatever I can to follow Jesus. If you're in a workplace that's bad for, for your influence and they're influencing you to, to do things, to think things you shouldn't, you need to get out of that, that work and find a new work. I think of a time when me and my friend Keith, we used to work with the jail ministry in Henderson, Tennessee at Chester County Jail. And as we were there, we, with, we were with prisoners there and, and we'd stud, have a study every Thursday night. And one night as we were studying, we were talking about giving up sin and, and turning away from sin and, and walking with Christ. In the background, a lot of these prisoners is, they didn't just, we wouldn't see them once. You know, in the year and a half that I worked there, I didn't just see the same, like this, the people one time. But what happened, and they would come in and they would serve a couple weeks, they would, they would go back out and they would commit the same thing over again and you'd see them a couple months later in the same place, um, back in the same struggles, back in the same sin. And uh, we were just trying to encourage you, like, okay, how can we hammer it to them? Okay, we've got to give up sin when we become a child of God. We've got to give God everything. And so finally, we were just, we we're talking about that one night. And there's a man named Sean there. And he said, listen, Noah, Keith, you keep telling us that we need to, to give up sin, that we need to, to overcome temptation. But when we go back to our homes, we come back to the same people. We're in the same family. We have the same influences. We have the same friends that are in the exact same situations. And so what do you want us to do? Do you just want us to, when we, when we, over, or when we come to temptation, do you want us to just stop and, and pray? And we're like, well, yeah, that would that'd be a good start. But what really needs to happen is you need to eliminate all those influences that are bringing you down, that are influencing you to keep up with sin. And we need to come before God and say, God, I'm going to give you everything. And th that might be, I'm going to give you some of the, give away some of my relationships, some of my influences so that I can faithfully serve you, that I can give you, give you everything. So after we've given God everything, after we've done all those things, we need to realize, okay, there's still going to be struggles that I go through. There's still going to be suffering. In fact, uh, Mr. David has talked about this a lot this summer is, yeah, we're going to go through suffering. Family members we have are going to go through cancer. We're going to be diagnosed with things like that. We're going to go through times of suffering. What we need to realize is that's just part of life. In Matthew 5, verse 45, God says, Jesus says on, on the cross is, God sends rain on the just and on the unjust. But the difference between us and, and the world is, is we have somewhere to go. We have security to find through Christ when we go through those times of struggles. 
But we also need to realize is becoming a child of God, following Jesus, it's going to come with some backlash. Meaning there's going to be times where people don't agree with what we say. But that's a part of the cross that we have to bear. Luke 9.23 says, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Well, there's going to be some times where life just isn't going to be seeming good. And even when we're seeking God and doing all that we can to follow him, people are going to disagree with us sometimes. People are going to go against what we have to say. And people, we're going to lose friends by what we have to say. We're going to lose family, good relationships with family because of what we have to say. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, it says, And all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But on top of that, I just want you to think about, because I don't know if I've thought about this before, is, okay, when we say, I want to follow Jesus, okay, focus on the word follow there. What does it mean to follow? Where are you following him to? You think, okay, I'm going to follow him to heaven. I think that's a meaning of it. Okay, I'm going to follow Jesus, walk in the steps so I can go to heaven. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But when I say, okay, I want to follow Jesus, what I need to realize that is that means I'm going to follow through everything that he went through. Look over at 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2, verse 21. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. Here it says, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. We need to realize as following Jesus means that we're following him in his steps of suffering. That when we say, hey, I want to be like Christ. You know, we pray to God, God, make me more like Jesus. He isn't just going to kind of like zap us and just make us like Christ. It's going to be a long process of following through suffering, learning through things that are not necessarily good, going through tough times. Going through suffering. But what we can have faith in is knowing, okay, Jesus has walked through this already. When we lose a loved one, um, we go through that grief. We know Jesus went grief, through grief too when friends like Lazarus died and he wept in John eleven thirty five. 35. When we go through times of betrayal by friends, when, when it feels like, a friend of ours just has stabbed us in the back and they may, they may have even been a Christian. We see someone who's, who's faithful to God who just does us wrong. We can have faith in knowing Jesus went through that too when Judas betrayed him and when his own friend Peter denied him three times on the night of his crucifixion. When we go through times of loneliness, when we feel like, am I the only one who wants to do right? Am I the only one who is faithfully for following Jesus? We feel lonely. And we can have faith in knowing, okay, Jesus was forsaken by his disciples on the night of his crucifixion. All of his disciples, he was alone. He had to face Pilate. He had to face that night alone. When we go through times, I think of the door knocking we just had when we went to Kentucky two weeks ago and, and we're knocking doors. And I think a lot of you can relate with me, just that feeling when someone slams a door in your face and, and it's just like this feeling of, man, what hope of, is there? And so there's going to be times when people slam doors in our face. But what we got to realize is Jesus was spat in the face by many disciples and many who were against him. And then we also know that, okay, there's going to be times where I go through persecution. There's going to be times when people are against me because of what I believe in. 
But then we realize Jesus died for what he believed in. He went on the cross for what he believed in. And what it comes down to, what he, we believe in him, but what he was dying for and what he believed in was us. And it's up to us. He believed in our salvation. He believed in saving us from our sins. And if we faithfully follow him, we can receive that salvation. I don't know what the cross is that you carry. I don't know what you go through. I don't know um, the, the struggles you have in your life, the suffering you have in your life. But I can assure you of this. Jesus has been there and he can provide you hope. He can provide you hope of one day. Because remember in John chapter 6, one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to call those who ate his flesh and drank his blood. We can have hope of that day and knowing, okay, one day Jesus is going to return because there is a reward for his disciples as well. There is a reward and Jesus is going to call us to that reward. And a lot of times I think I've been asked by teachers before, it's, and I think this is kind of a false idea of, okay, do you follow Jesus for the reward or do you follow Jesus for Jesus? And I, I kind of get the idea there and making us, okay, are you truly following God for the right reasons? But I don't know if you can separate the reward from following Jesus with all of your heart. Because the reward is God. What we need to realize, what heaven's going to be is, we're going to be in the presence of God. That is the reward. And so to say, okay, I'm not, I'm not following Jesus for the reward. I'm just, I'm following him for the sake of following him. I don't think you understand what you're saying. Because the reward is Jesus. The reward is eternity with God. Fellowship with God. That's why Jesus died on the cross so that we could be there. And we have hope of being there one day. Now, before we close this morning, I want to ask you as we think about heaven and we think about, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus all my life so I can one day be in heaven with him. I want to ask you a question. And maybe you've thought about this before. I've thought about it a lot is what is the first thing you're going to do when you get to heaven? Okay, what you, when you think about, okay, that day where we're called up in glory and, and Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant, what are you going to do when you enter the gates of heaven? Maybe some of you think, oh, I'm going to go see all my favorite Bible heroes, uh, my Bible heroes. I'm going to sit back and relax with Abraham or something. I don't know. Uh, maybe you think, okay, I'm going to ask God every, every question that I had um, as I studied the Bible. Can I tell you what I think I'm going to do? I think after just a life of, of denying myself and following Jesus, a life of going through tough times, a life of, of experiencing losses, a life of having to give Jesus all that I have, I think when Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant, I think I'm just going to go there and I'm going to cry. And you think, what do you mean you're going to cry? Revelation 21 verse 4 it says and God will wipe all tears from the eyes and there will be no more pain no more suffering no more crying so what do you, what do you mean you're going to cry notice the first part of that verse he said and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and so I think about the life that we have to that we've been called to live as disciples as followers where yeah we if we're going to follow Jesus wherever we go there's going to be times of of hurt there's going to be times of suffering there's going to be times where people who we love no longer will be with us because of how we believe we're going to there's going to be times where we go through a lot of suffering a lot of persecution and I believe when God says, well done, my good faithful servant, that I'm just going to cry. I think really all of us are going to. And as we come there, we're just going to be kneeled before Jesus and we're going to cry. We're going to be bawling our eyes out. And Jesus is going to look at us. He's going to stick his hand down. He's going to wipe the tears from our eyes. 
He's going to say, it's okay. You don't have to do that here. This is a place of happiness. This is a place of hope. This is a place where God and man can be in perfect unity for all eternity. And we can have that hope. But it starts with a decision. And that decision is today. And that decision is every single day of your life. And that's the answer to the question, am I going to follow Jesus today? Am I going to follow after him? Because one day he's going to call us and we're going to have to give an answer. Are we ready for him to come? I think about when people ask me, okay, why, do you, why are you a Christian? Why do you follow Jesus? Why are you one of his disciples? It seems like it's a life of trouble. It seems like it's a, it's a lot more than it's worth. Why do you do that? I used to not know how to answer them, but I think I do now. If someone asks me, why do you follow Jesus? Why do you go through times of suffering? I've got to be ready when he calls my name. I've got to be ready when he calls my name. Are you ready? If you're here this morning and you have a need, you, you want prayers or you want to become a child of God through faith, repentance, and baptism, you can do that this morning. I encourage you to come as we stand and sing.